You're listening to a podcast from New Life Church in Fort Smith, Arkansas. To learn more about New Life, find us online at newlifechurch.tv or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. If you love Jesus, let's put our hands together for him. Come on. Good to see you today. I feel good. I just had a little, I don't know, my throat's a little messed up. So I'll preach as long as I can, and then uh, the next service will get the leftovers. Praise God. But I feel great. I'm going to tell you all this. Monday, the Lord showed up big time in my life. I don't know about y'all, but uh, we started watching that game together, and then people were sending me smart like texts, you know, you know, all this kind of stuff, and then the favor of God hit my tigers. Praise the Lord. And then yesterday, I got a phone call. And not this week, but next week, I get to sit down. Thank you, Brandon. And uh, what is this? Woo! Smells like bourbon. Uh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's what they have back there in that green room. Y'all better put your head in there. But uh, so I got a call that uh, next week uh, I get to meet Coach O. And uh, so we had sit down with him and interview the staff and just chat with them. And I know what they want. They, they, they probably want us to host the championship trophy. They're out of room in Louisiana. We got so many of them. So we'll probably have that in the four years. So that, you can see that next week. Amen. This is, uh, uh, this is week two of a series we're doing called God at Work. And, and we're definitely going to be aiming at your career uh, but work. And I want you all to write this down. The, the Latin word for vocation is a spiritual word. Uh, We look at vocation and we've made it such a secular word uh, that there was actually called the doctrine of vocation in the church. And it comes from the Latin word vocar, V-O-C-A-R. And it really means that whatever you put your hands to do, that the job that's in front of you is what God has called you to do. And that's why God has called all of us to be priests in the kingdom of heaven. That means uh, what you are putting your hands to do, write this down, is your ministry. It's a calling from God. You don't have to be a pastor to make a difference. You don't have to be a staff member at a church for God to use you in amazing ways. And, and listen, and it's more than just your job. Some of you are retired, uh, and God didn't just say fold your hands you know, until you run out of breath. Uh, God says as long as you've got breath, he sees it as an investment, and he wants there to be a contribution on top of that investment. Amen? And so as long as you've got breath, whether you're retired, he's like, there's still something you're going to do. Even when you're retired, if you've been raising kids, how long do you raise your kids? Forever. They won't leave. And just when you get done with them, they have kids and they don't know what to do with them. You know what I mean? So you're doing that the rest of your life. But when we talk about vocation, I want to get back to that that biblical word. You could be a stay-at-home mom. That's a vocation. Amen? And when I have to stay home with the kids, that's when i got to find Jesus. I'm ready to get back to work. And all the men of God said, amen. So we are going to be aiming at your job if you have a career. But if you're a student, you've got to work of your, the work of your hands is right now. God wants you to ace what you're doing that's in front of you. And he wants to use you while you're doing it. Brandon uh, hit up some of these stats last week. Uh, In your life, at your workplace, you're going to spend uh, approximately 150,000 hours working. That is 40% of your life. This hurt my feelings because I go, you spend 40% of your life working and 33% of your life sleeping. And then I read where you spend six months of your life at red lights. That's why I run red lights now. I'm not going to waste my life. I'm throwing my life away. I just run them off. 
I won't even stop. <laughs> Y'all think I'm kidding too. But uh, there ain't nobody coming. I'm going. Praise God, you know. So what is, what is this all about, you know? Um, and so he hit on the purpose of work last week. You can listen to some of this stuff online, and, you, and you, that was kind of the foundation. But I, I, want you, I want to talk to you out of the book of Daniel. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Daniel 2 or pull it up on your phone. My challenge is for you to read this chapter at some point today in your quiet time, maybe after lunch, before football hits. Uh, because in your life, sooner or later, uh, what you're doing with the work of your hands... What you're doing, what is asked of you, is beyond what you can do. Have you ever had a boss ask you to do something and you go, I don't know if I can do that. Like, that's beyond my talents. That is, what you're asking me to do is beyond my education. <laughs> okay, we got a lot of people in here. You got your handling life. Praise God. How many of y'all have ever had to do something beyond your skill set, beyond your talent? I don't know the right people to pull that off. Why would you put me in charge of this? Or maybe just raising your kids, all of a sudden you see something in them and you go, I wasn't built to be able to handle this. I'm going to need something from on high to help me. This is an impossible situation. I wasn't raised to know what to do. I haven't, been, I haven't read and know what to do. God, I need some help. This is when it feels like this is going to be impossible for me to accomplish what is in front of me. That could be with a kid or a grandkid or something on your job. My, my first job uh, was working at a grocery store, but my worst job there's my dad's best friend, his name's Robert Benson. And I came home from my first year in college, and I told my parents, I said, I don't need to go to college anymore. I'm just done. I said, I want to get in the workplace, and I don't need to go to college. You know, Kobe Bryant didn't go to college. And I just said, I don't have to go to college. I was telling and, uh, and I think dad set this up when I look back now. Uh, Robert Benson, he's the funniest redneck in Louisiana. Uh, he is a crazy prankster. He's like a legend. Uh, there. He needs his own reality TV show. He called me up and he said, uh, he goes, uh, Marcus, uh, we're cutting a track of timber. And uh, he said, uh, I need a kid to run a chainsaw. And he said, can you run a chainsaw? I said, yeah, I'll run a chainsaw. So what they would do is they would cut uh, timber down and then I would run up the, the timber with the chainsaw and cut all the limbs down. Then they'd put it on the, uh, the log truck and haul it off. And so he said, do you think you can do this? This, this saw uh, was 60 pounds. He said, can you do this for eight hours? I'm like, I got this. I'm 18 years old. I'm a man, you know? And uh, so he looked at me and he said, son, he said, I want you to look in my eyes and listen to me. He said, by God, by the end of the day, you're going to go back to college. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I got a master's degree after that day. That's the worst day of my life. I'm like, I cannot do this. So when, we, when you look at the book of Daniel, I want you to write a few things down about his life. Daniel is a prisoner of war. He's in captivity in the Babylonian Empire. He's about 17 years old. Uh, Daniel has an amazing relationship with God. Uh, he has a God-centered lifestyle. He's very loyal, very committed, spends time with God, and there is a favor that God has and you see Daniel passing tests that God gives him, even as a young man. So I want you to understand, uh, you don't have to be fruitful when you're 25 or 30. You can be fruitful when you get committed to God. And he's 15 years old. God starts showing up in his life. And here he's about 17 years old. And there, is a, there becomes this separation in Daniel chapter 2 between people who follow the one true God and people who don't. And so there's an impossible situation and so I want, I want you to just to dive in and see it, and then we'll backtrack. You guys ready? 
Y'all ready to lock in? Because y'all going to have to do some work today. And, and then I'm going to give you some principles. The, so the king asked them to do something that they said, there's no way we can do it. And this is how they responded. Daniel 2, 10 and 11. The astrologers answered the king, there, <laughs> there is no one on earth who can do what the king asked. Okay? Uh, just a pro tip here. Never tell your boss this right here. Okay? Uh, don't answer like this. Nobody do it. Like, I can't do it. And if I can't do it, ain't nobody in the whole world can do this. All right? There is no one on earth who can do what the king asked. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. Like, we can't do it, and no one's been dumb enough to ask what you're asking. Okay? It's not going good. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. So this is their answer to the king. Daniel is not a part of this answer. This is theirs, okay? So I want you all to understand, this is a culture. Put this down. This is a culture that dabbles in the occult. And... Um, and so this, this, there's lot, lots of the king's advisors are into astrology. That's different than astronomy. Uh, they are in, there's a lot of psychics around him. And this is what happened. The king had been having nightmares, and it terrified him. And he was scared that they were going to come true. So he called all of, he called all of his advisors together, and, and we'll just read the first five verses. Y'all lock in, and we'll dive, we'll dive into it. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. How many of y'all have ever had just dreams, and you just woke up, you're like terrified, you couldn't go to sleep? This, this is a nightly thing with me. I dream like crazy. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell them what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, now watch this twist. I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Okay, this is kind of simple. I mean, some of you have had dreams and just like, what does that mean? But watch what he does. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we'll interpret it. Just tell us what you've been dreaming. I'll tell you what it means right now. And the king replied, now watch this little twist. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was, and, isn't that different? I'm not going to tell you the dream. You're the psychic. You know? You're the one telling everybody you know everybody, everything, right? You're the psychic. Prove it. He was like, you tell me what I dreamed. They're like, nobody's ever asked this before. Nobody's been dumb enough to ask this. Now they're getting, now they're, <laughs> they're getting nervous. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces. This is getting real now, right? I'm going to cut you up and kill your mama and your daddy. He says, I will cut you into pieces and your houses turn into piles of rubble. Boy, they go into panic mode. And so because this, this is a culture that dabbled in, in all kinds of, uh, of, uh, of the occult, and uh, this culture, he has all these people around him, and he goes, you know what? If you can't tell me what I've dreamed and why I have dreamed it, and you can't tell me the truth behind it, then that means you're a liar and you're a fake, and it's better to not have you on the planet than to have you around me. He throws down the gauntlet. He's just like, everybody's about to get impeached, right? Everybody. Everybody in the whole kingdom just here today. So why is he so upset, okay? Um, this is why he's in, so upset. 
I think it's in our basic nature to really want to know what the future is. Isn't that true? I mean, how many of y'all want to know what the future is? Like if I, if, if I could tell you when you were going to die, how many of y'all would not want to know when you die? All right, right? No? Golly. How many of you would want to know how you died? See, I want to know. You want to know why I know? Because I want to be able to control that. So if you go, Marcus, you're going to die Thursday. I'm like, no, I ain't. I'm going to stay at home. Right? How am I going to die? On a plane? No, I won't. You know? Because I ain't getting on one. Because I want to, it's that human desire. How many of you singles in here, if I said, uh, how many of you want to know if you're really going to get married or not? Who would want to know? And then I'd say, I know who it is. How many of y'all want me to point to them right now? Right? Who is it? No, it ain't. I ain't walking down that aisle, right? Because there's this, <laughs> there's this basic human desire that I want to know the future because I want to be in control. And listen to me, God wants you to trust him and have a daily walk with him. This is why God doesn't tell you everything because this is a faith walk. And in relationship with him and in your relationship with the, with the word, he goes, I'm going to tell you little by little, just enough for you to keep moving closer and closer to with me. How many of you know somebody who has to control everything? It's just everything. I got to be in control. No, you ain't driving. I'm driving. You know, this is every little thing. They got to control it. You know what? There's like when people that have to control everything, there's an insecurity. Like I've been like that so much of my life. I got to be in control. And when I feel like I'm out of control, whoo. So let me give you a couple of things. Because I was wanting to just dive into these principles, but I want to tell you two things about the future. Would you write this down? God says no one knows the future except him. Nobody. No psychic. No, no fortune teller. There's no astrologer. Nobody knows the future except God. Somebody say amen. Now, I know some of you got a rebuttal to what I'm saying. But you can argue with God. Nobody knows it. Listen, anyone who tells you they know the future is lying. Only God knows the future. Nope, nobody was on TV predicting 9-11. That was not happening. Nobody come, came out and said, I mean, uh, the, uh, Wednesday night, Austin was out here playing basketball, and the basketball goal fell over, and the rim hit him on the back of his head, and then it raked skin all down his back. And, and so we heard, and so we rushed here to see if the basketball goal was okay. And... Uh, <laughs> And it was his first word. Why didn't I see this coming? And then, and, then, and then Nick was telling me they forgot to put sand on the goal. And he's like, why did this have to happen? They didn't, they didn't wait down the base of the goal. And I'm like, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. That's what I'm telling you right now. But he couldn't see. There's some things that you can't see happening. I want everybody to know this. Most of the major things that happen in our life come into our life, good or bad, as a surprise. Isn't that the truth? Isn't it a surprise? Like, I was, I'd already said, I'm going to be single the rest of my life. And then I saw Brooke, and I said, no, I ain't. Praise the Lord. Right? How many of you, ha your spouse came into your life as a surprise? Raise your hand. Look at this. How many of you had a kid, and you went, woo-hoo-hoo, didn't see that one coming? Raise your hand. Right? Yeah, they're scarred. We're having to minister to them over in Little Life. They know it. Right? So... So many of the things in our lives come into our lives and we're like, wow, why? It's because we serve a God that holds the future in his hand. We trust him. Amen? Ecclesiastes 8 says, it's as simple as you know. No one knows the future. Well, I know a guy and he kind of knows. No, you don't. I mean, he's just, he's messing with your head. Well, 
Preacher, what about that demon power, though? That demon, demons don't know the future either. They just know what God has said, right? They're in the dark, right? Somebody said, well, I think the devil can let you know what's coming down the pike. No, the devil's a liar. Why would you want to listen to him, all right? Ecclesiastes 10, 14 says, Fools claim to know the future and love to tell anybody who listens. I would add this in if they, they would let me put this in the Bible. add my own two cents. Fools claim to know the future and love to tell anybody who listens and is willing to pay for it. All right? But no one knows what's going to happen. This is in the hands of God. Let me just write one more simple thing and I just because I want to hit something. I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. All psychics are fakes. Every one of them. Every single one of them. They want to know stuff from you and then they'll lead you. Every, uh, listen to me, when I say all of them, I mean 100%. They don't know anything. It's all deception. They don't know anything at all. I, I don't care if you've heard of a spooky lady that lives in Poland and wears a black cloak or some lady on the bayou. They're all women, by the way. I'm just kidding. It's like, they, and in the movies, it's always that way. And you're like, oh, I don't know about her. It's all built on lies and deception. Brandon and I, was pre we were preaching this summer. And we, it was so funny. We got to the end, and this lady came down. She wanted prayer. We're praying for her at the altar. And, uh, and she goes, you know, I'm thinking about starting a life group. And I said, you should do it. And then one of the pastors came over, and he was just sitting there. I said, well, what do you want to do? She said, I want to start a life group in my business. And then the pastor said, but you're a psychic. And uh, she wanted to start a, a life group, a Bible study in her business where she does palm reading and tells people the future. And uh, so I was like, this is getting interesting fast. And uh, she looked, she said, well, we all know right now that all that psychic stuff is just fake. You know, we do that for money but people need a little bit of truth too. And so I was like, I, I don't even know what to do with this right now. I need to get back to Arkansas with my people. Amen. So this is what the Bible says. I make fools of psychics and fortune tellers and I frustrate the predictions of astrologers. Their wisdom is foolishness. Leviticus 19.31 says, do not rely on mediums or psychics. Watch this. You'll be defiled by them. Now watch what it says. I, let's all read this together. You guys ready? One, two, three. I, the Lord, am your God. I, I want you to know all of this stuff listed here, listen to me. It, it is Satan's temptation to pull you out of fellowship with God, relationship with God, and get you listening to an alternative voice. Okay? And he's wanting you to go outside of your daily walk with Christ to get something. Listen to me. Put this down. That is counterfeit. Okay? All of that junk is fake. Are we doing good? Praise the Lord. So the king has called all these type of people around him because he's got dreams that's been troubling him. And when you, when you read Daniel 2, I see so much in the way that... So many principles in the way that he served right here. They're just kingdom principles that I want you to get, okay? And, and, and we're just going to start basic and then go deeper. Here's the first one. When you're faced with an impossible task, don't panic or be afraid. What you see everybody else around him is saying, this is impossible, I can't do it, why would you even ask me to do that? Do you hear that panic? This is what the Bible says about Daniel, that Daniel how he replied. Daniel 2.14 says, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, watch this, came to kill them. <laughs> now, does he have a reason to be panicked or afraid? 
I mean, I've gotten a bad email, and that set me off. I've never had the government send somebody to assassinate me in my house. You know what I'm saying? So somebody sent over to assassinate everybody. Watch what it says. When this happened, Daniel handled the situation with what? Wisdom and and discretion. I love those two things. He's got a, listen, he's got a relationship with God that gives him confidence, boldness, listen to me, and peace. That no matter what is thrown at me, I'm going to relax in the care of the Lord. He, right, put this down. He didn't react. He didn't pop off. He didn't freak out. You see spiritual maturity in the, in the way he handles this. He, the second thing. So let me just stop and just ask you this. What has got you nervous right now in your life? What's got you on edge or a little panicky? It could be a job. Is there an open door or you see a door closing? It could be something going on in your family. It could be something that's just nagging you in the back of your mind about, about, your, about your health. What is it? You need to write that down. Don't panic. Don't be afraid. Get close to God. Here's the second thing. And I almost skimmed over this, but I kept going back and reading this. You need to stop when there's an impossible situation, especially when somebody is asking you to do something that doesn't make sense. Here's what you do next. Ask why. Write that down. Ask why. This actually will help you out in marriage. If, if you're being asked to do something that's just crazy, just go, what's behind this? He asked why. Learn all the facts. What you need to know is, what is driving you asking this? What is the motivation behind the king? So, so Daniel asked Ariok, the captain of the guard, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? What's going on in his mind and heart? What is driving this? There was an emotion. He's furious. But what's behind the fury was fear. He had fear of the future. So when, when Daniel doesn't react, he doesn't panic, and he goes, hey, what, what's behind all this? What's this shift? This is what he's saying, and this is what he does. He asks what's going on, and then he asks for time. And the reason he asks for time leads you to the next thing. Here's the third thing. Now let's get into the spiritual. Get some people praying. This is huge. Most of you, most of you even if you work for a boss that is a, that's a believer, a lot of people don't work in a Christian culture. You know, the culture that you are in, even if people are, are going to church and they, they wake up, you say, just the culture of it is just so secular. It's just, I just feel dirty by the end of the week. I can't wait to get to church and get my soul lifted up. You know, most people don't work in that, that culture. He is not in a Christian culture. And let me tell you something. He knows, Daniel knows this. I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray through the night. But I'm also going to get some other people praying too. Here's my question for you. Who are the five people that pray for you in life? Can you name those people? Because all of you are wanting to make your life a better life this year. Here's the 1% thing that will tip your life, right? Are you ready? Get five people praying for you. You know that they're praying for you. If you've got a family, they're praying for your spouse. They're praying over your kids. They're praying over the work of your hands. They're praying over the things. They know that you can send a text to those five people. You've already got them saying, and when something pops up, you can send it. And you know that they are, they are praying and interceding on your behalf. Because he's knowing. He's like, man, the king is losing it. He's about to kill everybody. 
Then Daniel, 17 and 18, went home and told his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then he said, pray that the God who rules from heaven. Everybody say heaven rules. Let's all say it stronger. One, two, three. Heaven rules. Pray that the God who rules from heaven will be merciful and explain this mystery so that we and the other's advisors won't be put to death. you got to have some people praying for you. Amen? Let me give you another thing he does. Worship God. This is where it gets, it gets fun. And let me tell you, if you're like, if you say, Marcus, I don't have people praying for me right now, the best way to find people that pray for you is getting a life group. Next time we sign up for life groups, it's not just that you'll just have some cool people to, to hang out with. You will. But the most, and Brooke and I can attest to this in our own family time. When you have a life group, you got people that are going to pray for you. You're going to have a moment in your week where people can come around and pray over you. And you need that in your life. Amen? Then he, listen, he teaches us how to worship God right here. Y'all look at this, Daniel 2, 19. During the night, here they are, up praying all night. God revealed and explained the mystery of the dream to Daniel in a vision. Isn't that amazing? He's like praying. I'm going to tell you, this, 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 he's praying. He's like, God. He's got other people praying that God revealed to it. All of a sudden, boom. I think it's like a picture in his head. I said, I got it. I see what he's been dreaming. Oh, man, I see it. And then, boom, he gets another revelation. Here's the dream, and this is what the dream means. Boom, and boom. That is, boy, isn't that the power of prayer and a supernatural God? Isn't that amazing? And then the Bible says this, Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Daniel praised the God of heaven, saying, and, and, and I, want, I want to help you here. There are three beautiful ways he praises God. Those of you that are just like, Marcus, when I worship, I don't know what to do. Sometimes I sing along with a song and don't know what to do. Let me give you a pattern of praise. Are you ready? First, you praise him for who he is. That is his character. And I want you to see that his attention is not on himself. His attention is on God. And his prayer life is just like this. When you, when you see him start praising, it is you, 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 you. This is how your prayers need to be. It's about you and you. And he's declaring those things. And then it goes to, and I'm thankful because of you. You see what I'm saying? When you, when, and I've said this over and over. When your prayer life is inwardly focused, you get more and more panicky and more and more insecure. He gets his eyes off of himself and on God. He says, then Daniel praise God saying, our God. Watch this. Let's say, point your finger to heaven. Your name, pointing up to heaven, your name. He says, your name will be praised forever and ever. And watch what he says, you are. And here's all these attributes. You are all powerful and you know everything. You praise God for who he is. And then watch this, verse 21. You honor God for what he does. You are all powerful. That means there ain't nothing impossible for you. You are all knowing. I can't figure out his dreams. But you saw him. You dropped him in his little dream sleep. You got that figured out. You know it. And then watch what he does. Watch it. It's still on God. You control human events. Isn't that amazing? You give rulers their power. And you take it away. Right? Right? You are the source of wisdom. You're the source of knowledge. You explain the deep mysteries. Because eat, well, This is beautiful. Because even darkness is light to you. Wasn't that a great way to praise God? 
You go, this is who you are. This is what you do. And then he just thank, he's like, I'm going to thank you for helping me. Then it gets personal. When he gets personal, he goes, I, I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors. This is very powerful. How many of you got parents and grandparents, people in your life that serve God? Raise your hand. You need to include this in your prayers. God, I thank you that, that you reached my mama. You reached my daddy. I thank you for their faith. I thank you they built on what you gave my grandparents. And I thank you for my great-grandparents. He's, he's getting historical down his family line. He's like, I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors. I thank and praise you for you have given me wisdom and strength. Now, what happened? He was saying, you're the one who's got it. And then you had it. And you know what you did with it? You gave it to me. You have told me what I've asked for and revealed to me what the king demanded. Amen? And here's the last thing he did, and we'll get out of here. Here's the fifth thing. Impossible. And then God showed up. Then this is what you do all along the way. You point people to God. You point people to Jesus Christ. You point people to him. You don't take the credit for yourself. I'd probably want to take a little credit, you know. I mean, in the next 68 years of Daniel's life, he ascends and becomes the second most powerful man in the empire. And he could have taken that himself. I can imagine myself. I interpret the dream. And then he goes, Marcus, you did great. And I'm like, that's right, baby. You know? But Daniel pointed it all back to God. And he was actually wanting everybody to see the goodness of God. Would everybody look at me for just a second? Why do you think you have the job you have right now? All of you that are employed. Everyone have had, had a, your hand on a business. Why do you think you have that? Some of you think you aced the interview. You're like, I aced it. You didn't. They replayed the tape. You were nervous. Your palms were sweaty. You fumbled around. You thought you aced it. I aced it. No, you didn't. There was a God in heaven going, I need some people. I need, I need one of my kids to point some people to God right here in this place. I want you pointing them to God. Some of you are trying to get out of the job that, that you are working right now, and you can't. God, I want to get out of this job. God sees a bigger reason why you can't get out of it. You want to know why? Because there's people that you need to point to God. It's like, I got lost people here. No one's going to point them to me unless you are doing your job where you're at. It's a bigger thing. So Daniel replied, this is my favorite verse. Daniel replied, no wise man, no enchanter, no magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. Watch this. Let's all read this together. One, two, three. But there is a God in heaven. Boy, listen, you know what? Anytime you complain to God, you put that comma there, and you can always say, but there's a God in heaven. My whole life is falling apart right now. But there's a what? There's a God in heaven. I had some dreams, and then I come to pass. They're fading away. Comma. But there is a God. There's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. You point people to God. How many of you guys know who John Maxwell is? Y'all have heard of him? He, he's a, he teaches on leadership. He's written tons of books. Uh, they're changing nations. Uh, when I was 19 years old, I was sitting in a leadership conference, uh, just listening to him teach. He's on stage. I was, the place is sold out. Everybody's packed out. And everybody's taking notes. And we got to like the third session. It's an all-day event. And uh, he was sitting on a stool, and he stood up, and he said, I can't go another second without saying this. And he goes, you. He stops his whole conference. He goes, you on the fifth row, 
And everybody's looking, one, two, three, four, five. And he was pointing at me. And uh, he goes, you. And so everybody's like, like, me? And so I was like, yes, sir. And he goes, God is giving you a great smile. And he's like, and he's also giving you a laugh. I can pick, I, he's like, I've been here for three sessions. When you laugh, I can just point. I can just pick it out. And he said, would you do me a favor? Never stop laughing and never stop smiling. That came from God. And it was so emotional. I'm like 19 years old. I was like, I promise I won't stop, you know. It's like, why do he do, I mean, like, you, you see people who point people to God. They never miss an opportunity to point people to God somewhere. You could be at Starbucks. You can point somebody to God. Maybe God's giving you a business. You say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this business to point people to God. I'm gonna figure that out. You could be in a hospital going, you know what, today, how can I help people see the goodness of God? How can I point them down that road to Him? You could be on a construction site, and then it gets different. You're like, the reason I work is not just to pay bills, it is to point people to God. Help me do that. Wherever I'm at, I wanna point people to God. Whatever I'm doing. We had a basketball game in Russellville, and we were driving back. And we were just about out of, uh, we were driving back through Russellville. And I just about ran out of gas, and I, I pulled over, and I was getting gas. And I, I went in to buy some stuff. There was a guy in front of me. He's probably, he looked like he's five or six years older than me. And uh, so he's like, I need $10 worth of gas. And he had some drinks and stuff. And so they rang it up and swiped his, uh, his card, and the, and the lady came back. And she said, uh, it's insufficient funds. And uh, he said, would you try it again? And so I tried it. And she said, it's insufficient funds. And so, so he went to his truck, and he was just sitting there. And so I checked out, and when I, when I was walking back behind, I could just see his, his head was down. And so uh, I just walked up to his truck, and I said, I said, hey, man. And he opened the door, and uh, I had some cash on me. So I, I pulled out. I had like $21 in my pocket. And I said, hey, I said, let, me, let me be a blessing to you today. You take that. I saw what happened in the store. And he grabbed the money, and he just, he dropped his, he said, I, I can't take this. He said, you, you take it. And so I, I went to Kurt to, uh, to grab it. I said, no, no, no. I said, just, let's not make a big deal about this. Just be blessed, and let's just move on from this. And he was like, man, I can't take this money from you. And I said, yeah, you can. I, you don't know me. I got a lot of money, a whole lot of money. It just falls out all the time. Might as well give it away, you know. I just try to make him laugh, because it's getting awkward. And he, and he looked at me, he said, no, I cannot take this money, and I'll tell you why. He said, because I have been wasting my money on all kinds of alcohol, cigarettes, and entertainment, and now I can't even take care of my family. And so, I mean, he just teared up, and he said, more important than this money, this is a wake-up call. I need to get my life right. And he got emotional, and he handed that money back to me, you know. And you know what was more important? I didn't care if he took the money or not. It wasn't going to mean anything. I got kids. They were going to take it the next day, you know. Uh, but um, it point, what that conversation that we had and how it ended and how it left, it just pointed him back to God. And actually, it shifted the rest of my day. You know, I'm driving home the next hour and 10 minutes just going, you know what, God, I don't want to hydroplane over moments like that, you know, that are always in front of me where I could have just walked past a need or walked past a conversation. I want to be just present, like you were telling me, Kirk, earlier, present in the, every situation that we're in, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Who can I point back to Jesus today? Let's stand on our feet.
I'm going to tell you this. When you do that, the work of your hands is going to feel like a calling, right? Instead of a struggle. So, open your hands up and let me pray over you. Father God, I thank you for every person that's in this place. God, I pray that this will just be a different year. That our perspective uh, in life and our relationship uh, with you will be different. The way we see our job, the way we see the work of our hands. God, I just pray uh, that we won't be just so inwardly focused. We'll just be outwardly like whatever we're doing, God, use us today. So God, I pray over every person in this room. Whether they're stay-at-home mom, whether they're a dad or grandfather. Whether they're running a business or they're working for a boss that's just not even an easy person to work for, God, I pray that we, it'll change and just give us like fresh wind in our sails, just that change of perspective. And I pray that you will anoint the work of our hands, whether we're leading people, or coaching a team, that you will anoint it, that what we impart will point people to you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Let's worship God. Come on. If you need prayer for anything, anything at all, please let us know by visiting us online at newlifechurch.tv or by downloading the NLC app on your smartphone. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message each weekend. Thanks again for listening to New Life Church.